So we start Genesis today, and I'm excited and nervous. <laughs> so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So I hope you have outlines, pens on the table. Um, hope you brought your own Bible, and I'm ready to go. So let, let's pray, and then then we'll just jump jump right in there. Okay. Father, thank you for um, giving us a beautiful day. We appreciate the warmth of the sunshine, and we appreciate so very much the good meal that we've enjoyed. Thank you for that and use it to strengthen our bodies. And Father, thank you for the great fellowship. We just uh, enjoy visiting with one another around the tables. And now as we dig into the book of Genesis, I pray that uh, you will speak to our hearts uh, that we will learn what you want us to learn and that we will apply it to our lives that we might be effective Christians in the community in which you placed us. Bless each person here and their families. We love you and adore you and we worship you now in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead, open your Bibles if you would, please, to uh, the first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then we're going to talk about uh, we'll do some introductory stuff concerning uh, the book of Genesis. So, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we'll stop there for now. In the beginning, Hebrew word is Bereshith. Uh, in fact, let me uh, let me just write it. Not in Hebrew. I'll write it in English. Bereshith. In the beginning, when the Old Testament was translated into Greek in 250 BC, the Greek equivalent was rendered. Genesis, Latin and English, Genesis, letter for letter. This first book of the Bible gives us the genesis of the doctrine of God, which rose high above the pagan nations and their notions of the day. It is the genesis of the doctrine of creation, high above the crude mythologies of the surrounding nations. Genesis gives us the doctrine of man, demonstrating that from the beginning, we are both wonderful and awful. That's us. Wonderful and awful. The doctrine of salvation has its genesis in Eden and its grand development throughout the entire book, all 50 chapters. It's an amazing book. What we know about God, about creation, about ourselves, and about salvation all begins in Genesis. Jesus the Messiah has his prophetic genesis in the opening chapters. See verse 15 of chapter 3. Turn a couple of pages. 
God, in speaking to the serpent, says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Prophetic look at the coming Messiah, Jesus. You cannot overstate the importance of the book of Genesis. It is extremely important. And what great stories it contains. Uh, There's nothing dry about Genesis. Creation, the garden, sin, the flood, Babel, 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 however you want to pronounce it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, all stories that absolutely enthrall us. And we're going to look at every single one of them. So let's take an overview, just real briefly, of the book of Genesis. Let me divide the book into two sections. Chapters 1 through 11 and chapters 12 through 50. 1 through 11, and I don't know if... If I can, it's even possible for me to position the board where everybody can see it, but hopefully you can. Genesis 1 through 11, as you'll see later in the outline, we'll call primeval history, which is the early history of planet Earth. Then chapters 12 through 50, we'll call patriarchal history, or the patriarchs, patriarchal history. Israel's founding fathers. The famous Hebrew word toldoth, T-O-L-E-D-O-T-H. Toldoth. That uh, it literally means the generations of. And you'll see that word ten times. In Genesis, the generations of five times will refer to primeval history, five times to patriarchal history. Five of the times introduce narratives or stories, and five of the times introduce genealogies. So we'll get to all that. The thing to remember now is two sections, 1 through 11, 12 through 50, primeval history, patriarchal history. So let's talk for a moment about primeval history. We're going to have a little bit more introductory stuff, then we'll actually dig into verses 1 and 2. Primeval history. First 11 chapters of the Bible, the book of Genesis. The primeval history of the world. The beauty of creation, including man. Um, Five stories more than five, but at least five stories with a common structure. Think about what we see in these first chapters, the fall of man, Cain, Cain and Abel, Cain, the sons of God marrying the daughters of man, the flood, and Babel. Babel. How many of you think it's Babel? How many of you think it's Babel? I don't know. I'm asking you. I, I don't know. I, Carol, what do you say? I've always said Babel. No, Babel. What, but Dr. Kemp, 
What do you think? Babel or Babel? All right, that's good enough. There we have it. So we'll just stick with Babel. In my in my world, I hear a lot of babbling, so we'll call it Babel. Um, those stories follow a follow a fourfold pattern. I don't expect you to remember this. You don't even have to write it down if you don't want to. The fourfold pattern is sin. Sin is described, followed by a speech made by God announcing the penalty for sin, followed by grace. God brings grace to the situation to ease the punishment, and then followed by the punishment. God punishes sin. So the stories all have those four things in common. So immediately in Scripture, we're going to see what we call amazing grace, right off the bat. Grace doesn't wait until the New Testament to occur. We see it in the Old Testament, and we see it in Genesis. And it's amazing because though in all of the stories there is an increasing uh, avalanche of sin and the resulting punishment that becomes more severe, yet in every story there's always more grace. Example, Adam and Eve are punished, but God graciously withholds the death penalty for now. Cain is banished from his family, but God graces him with a mark of protection. The the flood comes, but God graciously preserves the human race through Noah and his family. Only in the case of Babel is the uh, element of grace kind of muted, but we'll get there. So, a little bit about um, primeval history. Let's talk for a second about patriarchal history. And grace continues. Abraham was promised that the whole world will be blessed through him and through his seed. And... Who is that talking about? Jesus. The whole world will be blessed through your seed. And it happens in the coming of Jesus. Genesis is about grace. Now it's not just about grace. But it is about grace. Paul in, I'm going to read a lot of verses this week and next week, so if you don't have time to follow it, just write it down. Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And we'll see that in Genesis. We'll see God's faithfulness over and over and over again, even when His people aren't faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, Paul said, If we are faithless, He remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. In regard to man, Genesis is uh, elegant. I don't use the word elegant very often, but in regard to man, Genesis is elegant. It's amazing. Man is both truly wonderful and truly awful. And if the truth were known, some of you have been both of those this morning. And, And I have too. Truly wonderful and truly awful. From, from the first, we will see that salvation comes through faith. Abraham being the prime example, and allow me to read Genesis fifteen six. Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So, 
a little bit of an introduction of patriarchal history. Now let's talk about authorship for a moment. Among theologians, a fairly controversial subject. Among most of us, not so much. Authorship of Genesis. And as long as we're talking about the authorship of Genesis, let's just go ahead and throw in there Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Pentateuch, Torah, the Law, the first five books of the Old Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament affirm that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, I don't have time to read all these verses or we will never get anywhere. But I'm going to give you some verses to look up on your own if you want to pursue this. Exodus 17:14. Deuteronomy 31:24. Joshua 8:31. 2 Kings 14:6. Shift to the New Testament. Mark 12:26. John 5, 45 to 47. How are we doing? Romans 10, 5. 2 Corinthians 3, 15. All talk about authorship of Moses. Now, obviously, if you go to Deuteronomy 34, the death of Moses is described. So certainly we know somebody added the last chapter to the book of Deuteronomy other than Moses. But the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about and affirm that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And I'm not going to argue about it. We're just going to assume that because that's what I believe. Internal biblical dating points to the writing of the book of Genesis late 15th century B.C. About that time and about the time of and following the the Exodus. And here's what would have been occurring. In the wilderness journey, as God's people dreamed of the promised land where they're headed, they would naturally have asked questions about their history and how we got where we are. They would have asked about Abraham. They would have asked about the patriarchs who brought them down to Egypt. They would have asked about our ultimate origins. How did we get here? And thus God met Moses with his word, giving him not only Genesis, but Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and and Deuteronomy. In opposition to a single Creator, the Egyptians taught pantheism as well as polytheism. Pantheism um, is the belief that all reality is identical with divinity. I mean, all everything. You're part of the divinity. The ground is part of the divinity. The trees are part of the divinity. Pantheism does not believe in a personal God. And lest you think that that's something for the Ancient of Days... Pantheism is alive and well today, including being alive and well in the United States of America. The Egyptians taught pantheism, and they they taught elaborate myths of love affairs 
and reproduction among their gods of warfare which marked out heaven and earth and other fantastical stories. And in opposition to that, we find the simplicity of God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. So Moses uh, took on the stories of Egypt head on. See, the people had grown up hearing these stories. They may, some of them may be infected with this pantheistic disease. And so Moses addresses it head on. And Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 would forever establish a true understanding about God, the universe, and humanity. Moses began with a radical, what would have been radical for that day, radical and sweeping affirmation of monotheism. What is monotheism? One God. Over against polytheism. Many gods. So in verses 1 and 2, which we are actually about to begin, there are three, there's a threefold emphasis. Let's see if I can squeeze it in up here. There's a threefold emphasis. There is God, there is the universe, there's God, there's the universe, and there's the earth. Now, yes, the earth is part of the universe, but distinctive in the story. Threefold emphasis in just two verses. God, the universe, and earth. So we begin with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word, Hebrew word for God, let's, let's get rid of, um, how about say goodbye to told off? Oh, my word. Uh-oh. Hmm. Okay. Oh, my. Please don't tell. Don't tell Casey. Oh, the red one's okay. All right. Then I will, I will write with the red one. So... The Hebrew word is Elohim. Can you see that? E-L-O-H-I-M in English. Elohim. That's the subject of the first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Elohim dominates the entire first chapter of Genesis because it's used 35 times in one chapter. Elohim, 35 times in chapter 1. And the chapter is about God from the first to the last. In fact, the entire book of Genesis is about God. The Trinity appears immediately. Bereshith bara Elohim. That's the Hebrew. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, Bereshith bara, which is created, Elohim would be the way they would write. And we say, in the beginning, God. If you were doing literally for us, we would say, in the beginning, created God. So, Bereshit, Bereshit, Elohim. Elohim is plural. 
that interesting? Elohim is plural. Why would it be plural? The Trinity appears immediately. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Elohim is plural, and the verb bara is what? Singular. It's a singular verb. So that God, plural, created singular. Now, remember, Deuteronomy 6.4 tells us that God is what? One. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Shema, the people of Israel say it to this day, a Jews say this to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it goes on from there. 1 Corinthians 8.6. Let's, let's see what one New Testament verse. 1 Corinthians. I've got so many marks here. Oh, by the way, I don't have my Bible back yet. It's still, the, the book binder still got it. So I'm reading from the ESV again today. For there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. First Corinthians 8, 6. But we also know God is three persons. Matthew 28, 19. The name of the Father, the Son, and the what? The Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul's benedictory statement to the church in in Corinth. All three persons, Elohim, all three persons were active in creation. Now, I'm going to give you some verses. God God and the Spirit, we see right here, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. God and His Son in John 1, 1 through 3 and verse 10. John 1, I'll remind you what that says. All things were made, well it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then verse 10, He was in the world, and the world made, the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. So, Father and God and Spirit, Genesis 1 and 2. John, God and the Son, and then the Son alone in Colossians 1. Write, write this down. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, and Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Okay. So, we meet the triune God in the first three words of the Bible. First three words, we meet the triune God. Now, in the beginning means in the beginning of time. It doesn't mean the beginning of God. It means the beginning of time. And that will blow your mind if you sit down and just think about it. I mean, if you think, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but if you think that you're smart enough to get your arm around everything since Scripture and I got this, I understand it all, I know everything there is to know. Um, I have a good psychiatrist I need to refer you to. Um, There's just some things we just, we're not going to be able to fully comprehend it. And God never intended that we would. In the beginning, 
the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, jot this down. Psalm 90, verse 2. Listen to this. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Whoa! Now, who wrote that? Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 90. Moses! Thank you, Carol. That is a Psalm of Moses. And so Moses said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Whoa! God created everything out of nothing. The word bara carries the idea of effortlessness. And creatio ex nihilo, Latin for created from nothing. Hebrews 11.3 By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made was was not made out of things that are visible. In other words, God created the world, the universe, out of nothing. And, and that will stagger your imagination. We think, okay, here's a little, God had a little dust over here, so he made the world out of it. No, God made the dust, and then he made the world out of it. It's just, oh my word. Two other passages to write down. Isaiah 40, 26, and Revelation 4, 11. So, so read, read those. Isaiah 40, 26, and Revelation 4, 11. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to read the Isaiah one for you. For you. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number. Look, looking up, he brings out the stars. He brings them out of nothing. God brings the stars out of, out of nothing. Look up, there they are. He brought them out of nothing. Whoa, my word. God's awesome. What, what a resume he has. <laughs> my goodness. And, and, and then Revelation 4.11, read that also. Moses' assertion that nothing, Moses' assertion that nothing existed before God spoke it into, into existence is a statement of fact, but also an attack on polytheism and pantheism that his people had left behind in Egypt. And the same thing holds true in 2018. Carl Sagan, heard, heard the name? In Cosmos said, quote, The cosmos is all there is or has been or will be, end of quote. Oh, Carl. Mm. But that is the dominant view of science for over 100 years, including Darwinian evolution. Now, um, William Dembski, in his introduction to mere creation, wrote these words. I'll share them with you. Darwin gave us a creation story. 
One in which God was absent and undirected natural processes did all the work. That creation story has held sway for more than a hundred years. He says it is now on its way out. In the end of Christendom, Malcolm Muggeridge, who had to be one of the more interesting people who ever lived, wrote, I myself am convinced that the theory of evolution, especially to the extent to which it has been applied, will be one of the greatest jokes in the history books of the future. Posterity will marvel that so very flimsy and dubious an hypothesis could be accepted with the incredible credulity it has. The bottom line as to why it has been so accepted is not that the hypothesis has been proven, but that it is a hypothesis that stands in opposition to God, and so many want to embrace it. Creation could not happen without God. Creation could not and did not happen without God. In the beginning, God existed in plural unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in plural unity as the Holy Trinity. In the beginning was God, before there was as much as a material atom of the cosmos. God. Universe. I don't even want to look at my watch. Ah. Universe. I can't finish universe today, so I won't even start. Um, now, we're just getting started, you can tell. Um, I think it's going to get, it's going to just kind of smooth out. And, and we, I feel like I'm romping through some deep woods here, some deep weeds, but this is going to be fun. So hang in there, okay? Next time, the universe, God created, bara, God created. The word bara is used of God in the Bible only, is only used of God in the Bible. Only God created, and it's used in Genesis 1 to speak of the universe, the animate life, and of us, man. Um, I'll stop. Uh, you want to stay after school? No, uh, we got to go. So, come back next time. We'll finish verses 1 and 2, and we'll actually get on farther into the text. But we've got to get some introductory stuff started. So, right here, the ne- next week, we'll see universe, then earth, and then move on from there. Okay, you are awesome folks. Thank you. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. You are absolutely incredible. And we love you and adore you. When we think about your majesty, your might, your power, your holiness, we are so humbled at the realization that you care for us and that you love us and that you are indeed not an abstract God way out there somewhere, but you are a very, very personal and intimate God who loves His children very, very much. And we thank You for the incredible gift of life and for the most incredible gift of all, the gift of Your Son, Jesus. 
Thank you for the wonder of creation. And I pray, Father, that we'll be enthralled by all that we read as we proceed through this incredible book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next Wednesday.